This episode is brought to you by Dream Symbols. Launched in 2005, Dream Symbols is the partnership of passionate Canadian instrument designers and generations of Chinese gong smiths. So try one out at your local dealer. I think you're going to dig it. The prices are great. They've got some cool stuff that sounds funky, trashy, also some stuff that's clean. Uh, also, follow them on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, show them some Modern Drummer Podcast love, and let's get to the show. Take a deep breath. Welcome back. Welcome back to both of us. My (laughs) goodness. Before we dive into all that, before we talk about the intro groove, just want to give you guys a heads up. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about in this episode. Our featured artist this time is Mr. Travis McNabb. Before that, we're going to hit some drum set ergonomics by Brandon Green, which is really cool because we're going to talk about where to hang things like auxiliary percussion items and things that you don't hit very often. In our gear review section, we'll be checking out some Tama Classic stands, and then we will give you our picks of the week and get to your questions in reverse order. I did my best. All How right. are you, bud? So here's the first first digression of the day. The word often. I used to say often, and then I learned that it's actually often. Have you, have you ever, ever heard it often instead of often? I've never heard often. No. Yeah, that's apparently that's the correct way to say it. Wait, are you kidding? No, it's the correct way. Like soften. Okay. You, you don't say soft. Oh yeah, soften. <laughs> often. So we've we got the spelling right. Yes. But we've just been we've been over enunciating the T. I, yeah. Apparently, it only became apparent to me when I had a discussion with a, a linguist about it, and now I can't not hear it <laughs> every time someone says wow. it. Wow. <laughs> That'd be like somebody saying buttons. I like buttons. They're very buttony. And I wear buttons often. I wow. often I often think about the word often. Yeah. But anyway. I think if you if I get used to dropping some T's, then I'll be British if I say like like I I often wear my buttons. <laughs> Because I'm British, then I then I lose it. So. Oh, let's forget about it. How about Richard Sanders? <laughs> what the hell? I wasn't ready for that. That's not in the. It's not in the rundown, dude. No, that's where my head's at. We're getting, I'm coming up on Thanksgiving. I need a day off, and I get one. Okay, okay. Not very I got often. It. Before I get we get off. into what I just experienced, because there's just <laughs> just imagine Pasic eleven days in a row. So I've got a lot of stuff oh, yeah. to get out. But I want to talk about Pasic because first of all, just friend to friend, congratulations, man. Thank really you. Really cool. Super proud of you. I was, I was watching it from afar, seeing pictures go up, seeing the Mike's Lessons family post pictures because they were in the crowd. Yeah, that and was they're wild. proud of you. And it's just awesome, man. So cool. It, yeah, yeah. We could dig in deeper. We should definitely talk about Richard's beat first. <laughs> yeah, we did. It's slamming. Uh, that intro beat was by Richard Sandstrom. He is a professional drummer in Sweden. And this was a pretty interesting beat. He he found an old Mapex practice pad and whatever. That's that kind of clacky thing you hear panned on the right side. The show's in mono, so he won't hear it panned anywhere. But <laughs> the clacky thing you hear is him playing an old practice pad, and that created inspired him to go down this route. He says no samples were used, and the drums sound amazing. So good job, Richard. Wow. Um, you said, he says it's on his Instagram page if you want to watch him performing it. His username is Richard Sandstrom. So it's Richard, S-A-N-D-S-T-R-O-M. Follow him on Instagram. Check it out. 
We Man, are actually just, running low on, yeah. on beats, so uh, please Ooh. send your stuff in. Don't be shy. MDinfo at moderndrummer.com. Attach an MP3 and also send me a link where I can download it somewhere. And heads up, if you send a beat and we didn't play it, some of these things get lost sometimes. You're sending it to a place that gets hundreds of emails a day. So I've had a few people come to me and be like, honestly, did it just suck? I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, no, yeah. If you haven't heard it by never now, it. please resend it. Because what happens yes. is when they get forward to me, sometimes the attachments don't come through by, I mean, our firewall. So whatever it is, I don't understand email language, but whatever it is, <laughs> sometimes when it gets forwarded to me, the attachments don't come through. Yeah. Well, we will play your grooves no matter what. And Richard, I say bail <laughs> on the drum thing, make some more money and be a professional mixing engineer because damn, your drum sounded good, bro. <laughs> right. Sounded great. <laughs> I would happily pay you to make my drums sound that great. All right, all right so, so let's talk about pacing. Yeah. <laughs> so where do you want to start? First of all, it was amazing to get to meet so many people who listen to the podcast in person. It was it was I was kind of shocked the number of people that came up to me. It was like I listened to the show and a lot of thanks about us doing what we do and just reminded me that we're actually doing this and people listen to it. So it was awesome to yeah, meet Yeah, I was I was hoping you'd get to experience that cuz I'm I'm lucky enough that I get to do those types of events quite often. Maybe not quite as big as Pacex. That's just a, a major major event, but still I'm doing those events in other countries and having people just come up and I'm thinking there's so many things we can talk about, and you chose to. That was okay. I've got two minutes to talk to Mike. I'm going to bring up the podcast. And it's yeah, like, wow, yeah, man. it's awesome. I'm so happy it's had that kind of impact on so many drummers. That was the dream when we, you and I, talked about this almost three years ago. That was the dream was to bring drummers into the fold and make them feel welcome into our family. Yeah. So there's a bit of a some bubbling of ideas that, that I want to share with you. Maybe we can discuss off the air. But did you know there's a such thing as podcast festivals? But bro, I <laughs> no, <laughs> so I did not know that. Here's what uh, I'm thinking: Modern Drummer Podcast goes to a festival, two drum sets, live taping, get as many listeners there as we possibly can, and blow this sucker up. I'm a hundred percent in. Hundred percent in. All right, anybody's got to hook up with podcast festivals, <laughs> and now we call upon you. Yeah, Goose man, that would man. be that'd be fantastic. Apparently, I would they're, love they're that. massive. A uh, guy at Spinball was telling me that they're they're massive. They're huge. They're like Comic Cons for Comic Con. Yeah, <laughs> that would be great. I, I, it's still funny to me that we have a podcast that's doing even remotely well. Because honestly. We are both, I feel we're both very professional at what we do, but the rest of our world is a little childish. <laughs> we right? are like, drummers after all. <laughs> exactly. That's what I mean. It's like, and so I, I'm still shocked. And what's really funny is that neither one of us has gone down the podcast rabbit hole to find out anything about what we're actually doing. Yeah, right. Because we kind of know our numbers, but we don't know how that relates to anything in the world. We don't know if we're doing well or bad. But what we do know is what you experienced is drummers come up to either one of us and say, hey, man, I listen to the podcast on my way to work or on a run or whatever, and it's, it gets me through my day. So, uh, And I get so many requests where people are like, can you please do more than one a week? Oh, I'm like, goodness. you're nuts. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's, that's a hard no on my end. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, bro. It's, it's a... I, I love like you. I, I just, <laughs> yeah. I look him, no, you too, bro. I look him straight in the eyes and I go... 
keep pushing. About to lose the one a week. No. So okay. So Pasic, you had an amazing time. You got to meet a bunch of listeners. <laughs> I did. Uh, but I gotta say, I kind of have had a negative uh, vibe towards Pasic over the past few years. And I'm somebody that played it and would love to play it every year. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's a great event, but I've felt from the outside looking in, it wasn't what it used to be. This is the first year in a very long time that I was really bummed that I wasn't there. I was jealous that I wasn't there. And I could not believe the lineup. Every yeah. time I got yeah. on my phone, I was like, he's a pace. She's a pa- Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. I'm talking about performers, not just people visiting. Yeah. No. It, uh, it was stacked. They have a new a new executive team that is really bringing it back. They understand the importance of drum set and not just drum Ooh. set rock star performers. They, they right. understand the importance of having a diverse range of artists having up-and-comers and and more veterans and more educator types and kind of more creative types Uh, so yeah i'm super excited i've been the basic i mean skipping five or six over the last 20 years and this was you know getting back up to that mid-90s kind of level of excitement for me it was awesome it was like i said just watching it from the outside it's funny when you told me you were doing basic it was one of those things where I was like, I'm so excited for you, but I'm so bummed you're not doing PASIC 10 years ago because that's where you deserve to be. But then watching this from the outside, I was like, oh, no, this is the be- I mean, out of the last five or six years, this is the best you could have hoped for. Yeah. I mean, just the vibe was so good. Killer group of artists. The attendees looked stoked. You know, I'm, I'm watching other people post their pictures about how excited yeah. they were to be there and to see other artists. It was amazing. Yeah, I mean, JC, who who helps me book all these clinics, he said he saw people taking notes in the audience of, while I was wow. presenting. He's like, that's that's your perfect experience then, if you were actually writing yeah. down what you're saying. And I had people quoting me later. I saw it on Twitter and stuff. So it was also for How me... How that f- feel? Um, you know, I was trying to explain it the other day. This is the first time when the, one of these kind of things happens, and I don't, I don't even, like, reflect on it. I don't question it. I don't have any self doubt. I don't have any. That's it. it just like it went as yeah, it went. It was as real and honest. And all the feedback I got was, I think it was all honest, positive response. I don't think there was the obligatory. You sounded great, man. It wasn't sure. one of those. So overall, everyone said it was great. I even had um, Tim at Pisces said I should go into communications, which I thought was hilarious because I am deathly afraid of public speaking in most situations. <laughs> So oh, it's just what it was it was like it couldn't have gone it couldn't have gone more real like everything was exactly what I wanted to present there was some ridiculous technical uh blunders with the gear that really? didn't trip me up at all the bass drum pedal just would not stay on the drum I mean I literally didn't touch wow. the drums until 20 minutes before the clinic like I hadn't seen the kit I didn't okay. the cymbals were still in the box and the, nothing was tuned, and that was just like set it up and let's roll. <laughs> yeah, 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 man. So you know the bass drum pedal was adjusted for a drum with a bigger hoop, so I c- it just wouldn't clamp all the way down. Hmm. So that was kind of right. funny. Um, the tom mic just just exploded twice, just fell off the drum and made an <laughs> incredibly beautiful popping sound. And there was Ow. there was no uh, engineer there to fix it, so I had to fix it, and then it fell out again. <laughs> then I just <laughs> left it. Um, and then the most crazy one, which my friend Wayne saw, and he was just laughing at me afterwards. Something was going on with the hi-hat. I have no idea what. But he told me he saw it, and the bottom symbol was popping up and resting on top of the plastic 
thing, the that little nipple happens thing. Happens to me so much. I must That's have some weird technique that when I punch my hi hats to get like a a splash out of them, somehow I punch them so hard that they bounce up. That happens to me all the time. So if you yeah. ever see my stick in my mouth. That's because I'm spinning the cymbals and trying to shake them back into place. Because what happens is it comes up the exact height that your cymbals were open yeah. just about. So you, you yeah. know, yeah, I thought the clutch was broke or something. I'm like, what the <laughs> hell is going on? It was just kind of funny because nothing that I was doing was performance-based anyway. So right. it wasn't like, oh, this ruined my show. I mean, it, sure. was, it was all just the whole clinic was about experimenting and exploring and making mistakes and embracing mistakes. and. So it was just kind of funny, like what the hell is going on? In the in the pedal, just literally rolling off the drum. It's like, all right, cool, but it didn't bother me. So that's where I left there thinking, that's cool. I don't think it tra- will translate well if anyone did a video of the hour. <laughs> you know? I've got to work on a version of my presentation that's more like YouTube content. Sure, sure. It was more like you had to be in the room to experience it, and that was what I wanted it to be. Yeah, and honestly, it's funny as somebody that does YouTube videos and has been doing them for over a decade now, I'm always telling the crowd, I encourage you to film this. I want you to film this, but please do not upload this. This is for you to take home and watch as many times as you want, but unless you are in the room, there's just no way you're going to get what was happening here. Yeah. And so it's 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 a different thing. And honestly, the reason why I don't want my my clinics to be a YouTube video is because everyone at my clinic has seen my YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. I want them to get something different and go like, wow, I thought what you did in this video was inspirational or was cool, but seeing it in person and feeling the energy in the, in the room, that's the next level. So you yeah. probably achieved exactly what you should have achieved. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, the goal, the goal was, um, the goal was to just inspire people to practice more creatively. And that was all the feedback I got was like, I just can't wait to get home with my drums and, I can't wait to get a loop pedal or I'm going to buy some of those yeah. new mutes that you were using. I mean, I just got like all this inspiration coming back at me. And so that's, that's, that's what cool. I wanted. I didn't want anyone to tell me I sounded great because I don't, I don't care. That wasn't the point. The point was, let me give you some easy things that can make you feel more creative and more inspired and not right. f- afraid to just experiment. So, And I think you and I probably have a very similar role when we get put onto a multi-drummer event, which is generally there's some bombastic amazing stud or studette already on the festival so our job isn't to compete or fight with that person our job is to say okay that person's going to blow your mind with their technique and their skill and our job is to say but let me make sure you don't want to quit at the end of today yeah i mean because exactly i'm in the audience and i'm kind of thinking maybe i shouldn't be doing this (laughs) well two hours after me was zach danziger and i think he just melted everyone's brains to the point where it was i was really excited to see how people reacted to him and it was kind of what i expected they just were just sitting there like almost confused like what what am i experiencing right now yeah so he melted everyone's brain and then aaron spears came out and just oh yeah that's what you can do on the drums (laughs) so so i you know i had those two things in back of my mind like you're not going to impress anyone more than aaron spears and you're not going to be more totally innovative than zach danziger so right dude Dude, that pacic clip like the the guy talking about pacing. Oh like, yeah! Oh yeah! Oh my god! Well, that the, was brilliant. The whole first five minutes of his performance was like a TV show style intro, like introducing the the band and on bass and on drums, and he just kept going and going on drums. Zach Danziger on percussion. Zach Danziger just kept going and going and going for like five <laughs> minutes, 
And I could see everyone just like, I don't know what is happening right now. <laughs> but I kind of dig that about Zach, that totally. he's not there for you. You're there for him. <laughs> That's it. Like, he's get on board challenge. or get out. He's there to challenge you in every possible way. And I, I love it. I loved it. I think everyone that was there came away appreciating it, but I'm glad he didn't he didn't try to, like, tame it down. It was full-on Zach Danziger. Yeah, and that's what it should be. And that's the thing is no one can be more Zach than Zach. Uh, so I, I think that's awesome. And while I, I, seeing everything from the outside in, it looked like Pasek had really stepped things up a notch. It was beautiful. There wasn't any pushback from anything like, ah, I wish I wouldn't have gone. No one was telling me what Pasek used to be like. Yeah. As far as saying I wish it was like, you know, 2006 or whatever. It was it was awesome. And I, and for you to be on it and for me to be able to just be halfway around the world, open my phone, and see a black and white picture of my buddy Mike Dawson. <laughs> right. just, and it was like, damn right, man. That dude deserves that. That is badass. I, I was stoked for you, man. I really was. So let's recap where the heck you were in the universe. Where'd you start? I started in Poland. Uh, so where did we do last <laughs> week's episode? You were in Germany. Uh, was I? Yeah. <laughs> All I know is there was a video of me just like giving like the thunder stick to a side snare oh, last time we right. talked. Yeah, that's right. Yes, you so, went straight up. Yeah, you got you yeah. got surly over there. I did. <laughs> no, but I, I it was it was all part of the show. But Come now you see. know. Well, I mean, and you've done clinics, but the size of clinic that you just did at Pasic is a very different Anyone. thing than entertaining a small room. Um, and now you know the best thing that can happen is something wrong happening because it gives you something to talk about. It it, it connects you to the crowd. Like, okay, no getting around it. We all just saw my Rackton mic fly off and smash into the ground. <laughs> right. No getting around it. My snare just smashed into my thigh. And then I went Jimmy Superfly Snook on its hours. <laughs> so, so anyways, uh, yeah, so I went to Poland, did the drum festival there. That was great. Uh, had a blast. Then I was in Germany for like four clinic dates and the ones that really stuck out to me. I mean, all of the moments themselves as far as the clinics are fantastic. They, they really are. And each night is different. But Mannheim was very special to me because that's the um, that's where I went to Pop Academy, the school that mm -hmm. uh, Benny and Annika attended. Yost teaches there. Annika teaches there. Benny comes by whenever he can. But the main thing was... Udo Daman to spend time with the man that has taught those three and I really can't think of any country that's had a bigger impact on American drumming right now than those three from Germany I, I can hear yeah, their true. influence on almost every American drummer in the world and that's insane that it all came you know now obviously they put in the work they took Udo's teaching way to a next level but to spend an entire evening with this guy. We went out to dinner uh, to a swanky restaurant and just talked and he gave me the whole history of everything and and not in a cocky way like here's what I've done. It was more like here's if you think I just showed up, I didn't. Here's mm -hmm. how it went and here's how I worked with the government. Uh, I don't know if you know, but Pop Academy, that's their Berkeley School of Music, right? It's so he biggest. created the program? He did, and okay. he had done it many times in Germany for other schools, creating a pop music program. Okay. And definitely not what we would consider to be pop, but <clears throat> performance-based rock, funk, blues, everything. So he had done that a few times, and then um, 
yeah, the government wanted him to do it on his own. So that's how he created Pop Academy. So he's oh, not wow. just the head drummer there. He created the whole entire school. But the fact that the government is on board, here's what's crazy. No tuition. 100% free. Hey, yo. How do you hey, get yo. in? <laughs> you audition. And he takes like six total drummers um, and six bass players. And, and it's very exclusive. So if you are one of the people that get in as a drummer – you know, like, okay, you're in. And you're in with the six best bass players in Germany or, or in Europe and the six top piano players and singers and songwriters. And they immediately stick you in bands, and he's adamant. No covers. You write original music if you're here. Oh, wow. That's yeah. totally new. How different is that? Yeah. Um, so you're in a, you know, a performance ensemble and a pop ensemble, and you're writing original music. And... He's really adamant about that. So anyway, spending an evening with him, incredible. And as you know from being an educator, drumming is cool. But man, if I can find something new to teach, mm-hmm. that's a game changer. So hanging out, I'm backstage at Pop Academy or in my dressing room or whatever. And on my rider was fruit. They happened to get me an orange. And I just told my minor rep, I was like, I'm going to take that orange out on stage with me, and before I leave, I will work that into my clinic. Like, it's the deepest part of my clinic, but I have no idea what the hell I'm going to talk about. But I'm going to challenge myself. So it was kind of like the way Miles Davis wanted to challenge Tony on the drums. Like, don't don't play the stuff you've played before. I want you practicing on stage. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to do that as an educator. So I brought out this orange, and it was like, all right, we're going to figure this out. And so... I'm making a video today about what 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 became <laughs> hashtag squeeze the orange. Uh, so I'll explain it to everybody then. So that happened in in uh, Papa or in Mannheim, and then I have to mention. <laughs> Did you acknowledge the orange or just like bring it out? Okay, so actually, the first night I just talked about it, and then when I got to Spain, I actually brought it out and put it at the front of the stage on my snare drum because i had a snare drum at the front of the stage to teach pad stuff on okay and i just said i just sat it there and that was it and then i got on my kit and i played (laughs) and then i and then i walked out to the front of the stage after my first performance held up the orange and i said not yet and then i put it back down and then so it was like the focus the whole time and i just built it up and uh yeah so i'll explain what that is later uh, on instagram and on youtube and then i have to mention my rep uh, so I had this guy, Ollie, with me. He's my Meinl rep in Germany. And th- huge thanks to Meinl. I'm not just trying to plug my company, but this was a Meinl tour. And so to have a guy in a Meinl car uh, driving you on the Autobahn at about eh, 140 miles an hour. <laughs> but to have like someone to take you everywhere so that I'm not trying to navigate different cities in Germany by myself – Help me set up my drums. Help me tear down every night while I'm doing autographs. It was so amazing. So huge thanks to Ollie and to Meinl for providing that. But um, so we are headed to the last date, uh, which was in Fellbach. And he said, okay, on the way there, we can check into our hotel. And our hotel is one of the most romantic cities in all of Germany. So if you're a couple in Germany, this is where you go for a three-day vacation. Mm, okay. We can hang out together. <laughs> Two bros, mm-hmm. and we can just go see the castles and the moats, <laughs> or we can just throw our stuff into the hotel, get back on the road, and right before we get to Fellbach, we'll get to Stuttgart, 
And that's where the Porsche Museum is. Hey. And I was like, bro, nice. we are so going to that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Whew. Man. So, I'm are you so shopping happy. for cars now? <laughs> I can tell you that I did go immediately to the hotel after the show, and I built one online. <laughs> and uh, apparently, once you got to adding windows and the ability for them to roll down, it outpriced me. I was like, well, I... I <laughs> It's like going to the Sonar website, build your own SQ2 kit. <laughs> oh, love you, Come Sonar. Come on, Dawson. Uh, you can see when I'm drinking tea. Don't do that to me. Oh, you want lugs, do you? Oh. Um, you want this yeah, thing to so have anyways, color. so that was amazing. And then the last thing, two full days in Spain with my man Richard Spaven. And... Mm. We've only we only met at the UK drum show a couple months ago, but we had very little time to get to know each other. And this time we were the two English speaking guys, so we just by default kind of hung out a lot. But ended up really, really having a great time. And he broke down that song that we listened to when we had him as our featured artist, The Self. Uh-huh. And it's four four. Of course, of course it is. Right? <laughs> he was like, he literally said, and I don't want to embarrass him, and I won't do his British accent, but he was like, "Hey, man, I really enjoyed yours and Mike's Beavis and Butthead breakdown of the self." <laughs> oh, so he's going to be a snobby Brit, eh? <laughs> no, he, but it was like he was. I can't. No commentary. That's what it was, and I, I was like, but it was so funny the way he said it, and. Uh, yeah, he had a Wait great a sense of humor. Are you Beavis or am I Beavis? <laughs> Ooh, good point. You're blonde. You're Beavis. Yeah. I'm butthead. <laughs> Sorry, bro. Um, but yeah, so we had a great time and just hung out and talked a lot about drums and education and performance. So overall, the trip, everyone that came out, if you're listening from Poland, Germany, and Spain, thank you. That was just an absolutely memorable week and it's my last major clinic tour and then december 5th my last clinic of the year i am headed to salt city drones in salt lake city utah nice i'll be doing a master class at what's that 8 30 a.m yep hey, yo. i gotta do a master class before the store opens because it's right in the middle of the store and then the clinic's at 7 p.m and it only holds 100 people and it is a cutoff they have 100 seats and that is it so please if you want to come see me december 5th at salt city drums in Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, get a hold of them right away and get a ticket because, like I said, it only holds 100 people. So That's not long from now. That's pretty soon. No, no, no. So I, I'm really excited. Um, and then maybe next week we'll talk about that. I don't know if you saw any of my Instagram story stuff, but I decided to just start over from scratch with symbols and, oh, and no. sounds. Oh, interesting. Where are you going? So, yeah, are like, you going cleaner? Um, um, well, you know, we've done a lot of dream promos, so I have officially left Meinl, and no, um, that is not true, although I love dream symbols. Um, no, um, I don't know. Uh, I Well, you'll just have to watch. Okay. But what I did do was I just took the kit down to kick, snare, and hi-hat, and then went through all my hi-hats that I knew were kind of in the mix. I mean, I didn't go through every mm-hmm. pair that I have here because a lot of the symbols I have here really aren't for me they're for my students and the campers so I went through everything that was in the mix 14s 15s 13s and I just thought okay I haven't re-examined my sound in well over a year what makes me the most comfortable when I'm sitting on the drum set just playing kick snare and hat kick snat hair you know as soon as I think I can commit to that 
I get restless and it all changes. Like I don't know how you could even pick it for a year. I'm, I'm, it's literally day yeah. to day. I'm like, oh, I love 16-inch hi-hats. And I'm like, why am I playing these sloshy, trashy things? Where are my 13s? <laughs> Give me some 10s, for God's sake. Yeah, man. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I think that's part of the quest that I'm on right now. I've gotten to the point where I'm very happy with who I am as a presenter of information. I'm happy with my on-camera personality. I'm even happy with some of my drumming. And I'm in that point now where I, I actually want a sound. I'm, I'm, I would say my jealousy now lies instead of with people explaining things or people playing drums. My jealousy lies with, when I hear someone that I just know, like, I could close my eyes and I can tell you that that is that person. Mm-hmm. Even if they were doing sound check, I could tell you that that's that person because I know their sound. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. And, you know, I'm okay with it changing. But I've, so I got up to hi-hats and left-hand crash. So I'm. Uh, oh no! I, you're going full. You're going deep into it then. Oh yeah, bro! I I literally played every crash. <laughs> I, I probably played like 65 crashes yesterday. Um, so I ended up. Uh, so there's no more ride on my left hand side. Okay. So okay. I was playing that 22 inch Big Apple Dark Ride. So I've got 15 inch extra dry hi hats, mm-hmm. uh, and then an 18 inch extra dry thin crash. Okay. And Is that I where would, you were a couple years ago? Uh, f- I, it would it would be that except for the fourteen inch extra dry hats. Oh, okay. Yep. So and I try I started there knowing that that's what I used to play, and then I went through my my butter hats or my jazz thin hats. Um, that those were my prototypes, and then we just I decided I didn't want them as signature hats, so we moved them into the jazz series. I, I went through the everything I had, and then those fifteen inch extra dries. It was like cool. I do like fifteens. I think I'm committing to that, but. The problem with the jazz thin hats, playing them, they were the ones. Stepping on them, they had nothing. Mm-hmm. They were just too thin. And I do a lot of left foot stuff, a lot of timekeeping. I use the left foot as a sound in my grooves. I just needed more chick out of the left foot. So I assume the ride symbol is already decided on. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of is, and it's but I feel like I should even still make a story out of that because it's decided on because I play every minor artist's setup when I see them, Richard's kit and stuff. When they have things I've never seen, I'm like, oh, I didn't know that Minel made that ride. Or the, God, I can't remember the name of it, but they have a new, like, Synergy ride or something. And, yeah, I <laughs> honestly, I still choose it. Mm. It's And, I man, you can't even believe how happy I am about that because, ooh, that would suck. Yeah, again, I would not... I would not be able to put my signature on. It would have to be a signature on an entire series, maybe. <laughs> well, it, it's the reason why I don't have. There's no. The reason why there's no transition hats and no transition crash is because I can't commit to one. It's not because we've prototyped the hell out of that stuff. I mm. have a ton of them here, uh, but it's like no. I just know that we are six months away from me thinking, like you said, now thirteens. That's the way to go. Yeah. And then I got to call Minel and be like, "Can we make thirteen-inch transition hats?" And they're like, "Why don't you transition your ass from thirteens to fifteens and just stay there?" They wouldn't say that. They're very nice. Anyways, <laughs> let's get into some stuff, buddy. Let's talk about drum set ergonomics. <clears throat> Indeed. So we've got the last of a series by Brandon Green in the current issue. Next week we'll have a new issue to talk about, but we're still talking about the December issue. Um, and it is, what has he titled it? It is Drum Set Ergonomics Part 6, Positioning Secondary Suspended Instruments. So a few months back we talked about how to set up you know, what you and I feel about our seat height and our snare drum position. Maybe we talked a little bit about Rack Tom 
but this is getting into the other things that you may not hit constantly. So you've got your hi-hat, your ride cymbal, your snare drum, maybe your tom, your rack tom and floor tom are in the right spot. Where the heck do you put everything else? And I think that's a really, the way that he broke it down in the article, and you guys should definitely go to moderndrummer.com and just watch the video as well, because uh, I don't know if I've really seen Brandon do a lot of videos, but he's great on camera. Yeah, no, he's great. He's he, and he's he, got a good, he learned how to do it real fast because he sent me a test before we did this. I'm like, it's good. You gotta you gotta figure out how to get the camera to focus. Like it was all the the little things of, sure. of making a video, and he he's yeah. got it dialed in. I think he's I obsessive, he like ever, like you and I. Like <laughs> yeah. if you're gonna do it, I'm not gonna stop until it's as good as I can get it. Yeah, and I thought it was really great. And the one thing that I loved was he he actually like broke down the percentage of how much do you use this thing, and that's what makes it an accessory. Like. Mm-hmm. If you have this thing on your kit and you use it five to thirty percent, or le- you know five to thirty percent in there somewhere in there, um, then it's an accessory. And so he's talking about splash cymbals, cowbells, uh, extra tambourine, and you, I think it's something we don't really give a lot of thought to, especially on those items, because we think, well, I really never hit it, so what does it matter if it's kind of out of reach for me, or if mm-hmm. it puts me into a weird position? But when he started breaking down the ligaments and everything else, I was yeah. like, oh my goodness, the tendons. Yeah, so Oof. the basic assessment is what's what's the first thing you do? You bring your arm up to a ninety degree angle at the elbow, but keep your you know, your upper arm at your side and then you just rotate your arm out as far as you can go before your shoulder starts to tighten up. And I was shocked at how little movement I actually have before I could oh. feel my shoulder tighten up. And then you yeah. then you rotate your torso and see how much further you can go before you really torque it. And nothing should ever go beyond that. Wow, it's I'd... not that far for me. I mean, I've got old, <laughs> old, old ligaments at this point, but <laughs> so really, nothing yeah. for me should be beyond. I mean, if I'm looking at my drum set like a clock and, and straight out as twelve for me, I'm looking at like ten o'clock and two o'clock. Really, is kind of my limit of comfort. Right, which yeah. I'm used to yeah. having stuff completely perpendicular all the way out to the side. Right. So that's the first assessment, and then he does the same thing. You extend your arms out in the front and do the same test out to the side, and you can feel right when you're you're looking for any kind of tension in the shoulder, not how far can you push it, but where does it get tense, and that's your limit. I'm kind of shocked at how, how within the kit it actually is. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I think that uh, <clears throat> it's also nice to get this information from somebody that is – professional at this and is yeah. really knowledgeable uh so it's it's really cool and i think that one you need to see the video because unfortunately you guys did not get to just see mike do all of that but he <laughs> did do it and it was quite entertaining <laughs> that is one immobile that dude is, i mean uh, i'm not saying that i'm a crossfit champion but we do work on our mobility <laughs> And uh, <laughs> well, what I learned is, you know, second floor, Tom, forget about it. It's got to go. I can't do it. Yeah, I, I was just going to cool say, looks, I mean, really, I, I would say that your the edge of your hi hat and the edge of your first floor, Tom. That's it. If you want to hang something, it has to be inside that parameter. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. I'm, I mean, occasionally I now even I'm just air drumming and now I can feel it. There's no wonder I have shoulder pain because I've always. Bro, do things. you have a tattoo on your left arm? Yeah, dude. I've got two of them. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! Wait a minute! What is going on? I how? These are these are like damn six years old, dude. 
You're hardcore. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I guess I just I've always seen you sleep like long sleeves or something or. It's it's this mobility thing. Uh, hey, by See the what way, you if did anyone, to us, Brandon? <laughs> if anyone was at Pasek and they grabbed the drum tacks that I was handing out, it is my tattoo. That's why that logo is on there. I had my tattoo logo put on some custom drum tacks just for Pasek. Holy <laughs> first world problems. You are next level diva. Oh, yeah, my God. Well, you know, whatever. Well, I handed out signature oranges at all of my clinics. <laughs> I was like, here's a California orange. All right, let's get into it. Okay, so I, I don't think there's much for us to dig into more than what we've said because I really think all of you guys listening should go to moderndrummer.com and check out this article or just check it out in your new issue of, or the current issue of Modern Drummer. But it's something we need to think about as drummers. Obviously, in the Instagram world that we live in, how your kit looks is probably a little too important to all of us mm-hmm. but being able to sit down and be comfortable i just think that like that's just going to change everything about how you play so it's so important to make sure that that happens and the other thing that you can't do is you can't look at your favorite drummers and set up like them unless you're the same height with the same mobility yeah. and the same everything you know uh that's something that uh so richard spave and i were talking backstage during the festival and he said, "He said, you know what's crazy? He, I think he had done another festival before this. I'm trying. To, I can't remember which drummer he was talking to, but Dennis Chambers was on the clinic. I mean, it was one of those big festivals. Mm-hmm. He's like, we were backstage and everybody's kits are on rolling risers. We sat down at every kit and couldn't believe two things. We could not believe how impossible that kit would be to play, no matter <laughs> who it was." And we could not believe how crappy the drums sounded until they were mic'd. And then once that person played that kit, yeah. it was heaven. And so I understand that it's it's so easy to copy somebody else's setup, but we are so uniquely individual. So you got to set up based off of you and what feels good for you. Yeah, and you kind of have to. I mean, that's, that's where I'm at now is I'm trying to figure it out. Like, I like my ride cymbal high, but then I realized the other day that yeah i can feel it it's not really it's it's comfortable from a playing perspective it's not comfortable for like a longevity perspective okay so where it's going to end up i have no idea but yeah the second floor tom is out i'm also second guessing any kind of left side snare drum or anything like that yeah that's what i'm going through that right now because like i said i started kick snat and hair and decided i'm gonna bring things in one at a time and i haven't brought in the side snare yet and i haven't and I was thinking, like, okay, really, really, how much do I use that thing besides to hold my tea? Uh-huh. Not that much. <laughs> like, I'm not a drum and bass guy. Um, and so I was just thinking, like, ah, do I have it there because it looks really good in pictures and looks like a professional? Like, mm-hmm. well, that's what clinicians have. Clinicians have a side snare. And it's like, yeah, I don't use it. And then, <laughs> and then it falls you know, over and you got to get medieval <laughs> on it. And I just, I just, I took that side snare to Jurassic Kick Park. It wanted a piece. I said, not a chance, homie. All right. So everyone check out Brandon Green's article <clears throat> on drum set ergonomics. It is the last in the series. It is number six and it is fantastic. And now it is time to talk about our featured artist, Mr. Travis McNabb. Yeah. So we did a, um, in the studio piece with Travis, if you're familiar with what's going on in Nashville, Travis is one of the top guys. He's been touring with Sugarland and Frankie Ballard uh, for years, and he's also got a really nice home studio where he tracks for people all around the world, friends and, and 
and artists all around the world. And so we went to his studio and actually just nerded out on that vibe. We didn't dig into the live drummer thing. I uh, think the only thing that matters about his studio is that outboard gear rack container unit. Yeah, what is that thing? I have no idea, but I know it's from a time where I think that used to be a computer. Yeah. I think that was a desktop back in the day. Yeah, probably spit out data cards. <laughs> uh, that that is the baddest earth like outboard gear container I've ever seen. And I'm calling it a container. Don't make fun of me. I know what a rack is. Go look at the pictures and then you'll understand why I'm calling it. I just don't even know what to call it. It's like it's amazing. Yeah, it's like some sort of like power powder coated steel rack or something. But here, well, yeah, and it's vented so it can yeah. breathe. But here's what I don't understand. Has rack-mounted gear been standardized for so long that his gear fits in there perfectly? I mean, that thing looks like it might honestly be from the 50s or the 60s. Yeah, probably. I mean, if you think about some of the old compressors from from that era, they they had to be in these things. That thing's amazing. Uh, So between that and his AK snares, I got some jealousy going. Yep, Um, he's got a nice collection, and... He's got some nice Ludwig stuff. So what made me aware of Travis's plan was uh, I just saw him on Instagram, and he has one of the like fattest, kind of swampiest grooves. So I want to drop in one thing I grabbed from his Instagram page where he's just playing a big, big beat. Let's check it out. talk about this a little bit but this is definitely a big thing that i talk about with my campers and my students do you want other drummers to like you on instagram or do you want musicians to like you on instagram what singer songwriter wouldn't hear that groove and be like yeah i'll take that yeah i mean just drop I mean, it I, in honestly, the session and let's go <laughs> i've never played another instrument in my life i'm pretty sure i could write a song to that groove yeah for sure yeah just kind I of mean, big it, like, and open Definitely bottom inspired. It's got that, sure. that lilt to it. He's from originally from New Orleans, so I think that kind mm. of that that swampy swingy thing that New Orleans drummers have, which is pretty special. Um, yeah, yeah. So he's he's one of my favorites from that scene. But in the article, I just wanted to grab a couple of things that I thought were really neat. Um, one thing is he has a special secret mic placement that you guys should try. If you have a figure eight mic, which would be a ribbon mic or any kind of large diaphragm condenser with a figure eight pattern, put it underneath your snare aimed at the bass drum pedal, like where it hits the drum. So it's going to capture a bottom side snare and also the attack at the bass drum and then compress that super heavily. He says that's um, a technique that recording engineer Tom Tapley shared with me. Um, he says he compresses the heck out of it, and it sounds very aggressive and crunchy. So I think some of that distorted goodness that we heard in his Instagram clip is probably that mic. And honestly, when I saw that picture, I <laughs> I just thought, like, huh, uh, that's a I, – I can't imagine that he's using that. That must have just <laughs> – whoever was doing the photo shoot was like, oh, wow, you dropped a mic. But well, no. He's actually using that for his sound. And it, and then once you say it and figure eight, it makes a ton of sense. 
Yeah. And the other stuff he talks about um, is just being creative because he, he again he's in the basement of his house, so it's not like he has a drum room that he can that's tuned. There's like echo chambers, so he sure. he puts a room mic in a bathroom and found some kind of funky stuff. So just what I got out of this was just be creative with what you got and don't don't worry about spending a bazillion dollars to build out your studio. Just put mics everywhere right. and see what happens. Mic up your laundry room. Who knows what'll happen? Man, awesome. And I like I said, I mean. Just when he was listing off, or when you guys were listing off his gear, I mean, decent, decent jealousy. Lots of Ludwig kits. Um, got a Gretsch kit, a DW Classic, uh, Sonar Force three thousand. Yep. And uh, but those snares, man. Yeah, it's so got all, I, the, all the heavy drums, all the stuff that the real real drummers need. <laughs> oh boy, here we go. Uh, so I do have a question though. Um, okay. So I'm trying to look it up right near, right near. I'm clearly, I'm right clearly there. looking up snare drums when I say right near. Um, the AK snares. It's Adrian Kirchner. Yeah, he's. A, I was just talking about him. He's he's like in the the mountains of Germany, just right. building drums in this tiny. But little I village. mean, they look kind of incredible. Yeah, there. I mean, there's some of the finest. If anyone has seen the Craviato Diamond Series metal drums, those are AK drums. He made those. Okay, so I really think if you're listening right now, Adrian, <laughs> Mike, and I would like to review your snare drums. Uh, oh, by the way, apparently Black Swamp is making you one of those bronze. <laughs> Shut up! Are you serious? I don't know if he was serious or not. He's like, tell Mike it's on his way. Whatever it was oh that you liked, God. a bronze Titan or something. Like yes. That. Oh my goodness! My snare drum addiction is is bad. <laughs> Although I did take my prototype snare on this last tour, and it was really cool to hear it at drum festivals. Then tiny, uh, then a school, and then all of a sudden I'm at a, a music store, and it was really, really quite fun to get to hear it in a bunch of different environments. And I'm about I talked to Andrew over at Gretchen. I'm two weeks away from getting the wood prototype version of it so we'll check that out now as far as travis mcnab's snare drum collection he's he definitely trumps me uh he's got them all yeah yeah. he's definitely got them all and also we haven't even talked about it but this whole year he was doing double duty touring with sugar sugar land and uh frankie ballard they were on the same tour so he was playing three hours straight on two different setups so he would have to kind of change his his costuming and (laughs) play that dude and he's a he's a stud i watched him play with sugar land um watched some video stuff today and he was doing you know the stick and maraca in the right hand Mm -hmm. um and then playing some groove stuff with like almost like a little side snare that w- was like a like maybe a 10 it was like super sample snare sound yeah, right or maybe it was even a pad it was very low lighting i couldn't really see anything but uh he had it was weird it was like the texture and tonalities that you and i love from uh matt chamberlain yeah and, keltner and, and all those guys keltner yeah. he had that that except for he was holding it down like a country pop drummer very like loop style you yeah. know like no i'm playing the groove i'm not i'm not improvising i'm not messing around here and i was like wow this is a really cool combination sometimes it's, things get a little too stale for me and sometimes they're a little too creative for me and he was kind of right down the middle yeah yeah he's one of my favorites so please give him a follow i think it's just travis McNabb. you'll find him he's on instagram often um, and if you get a chance to see him live i think that's probably where the the real magic is to, to see that in person 
All right, so it's time to jump to our uh, mid-show promo for Dream Symbols. Dream is sponsoring the episode, and I just went to the website to make sure they offer this thing because I think this is a model of symbol that everyone should own if you don't already. I have an old vintage Pang from a different manufacturer that I, th- I just forgot how much I loved it. It's basically like a ride symbol with some trashiness. It's a it's a china with the bell inverted. So the flange and the bell are on the same side. So if you go to Dream's website, they have samples of they have 16 to 22 inch pangs. Get yourself one of the 20s or 22s and use it like a ride symbol. It's it's really a beautiful beautiful yet gnarly sounding symbol. I'm thinking you know, Mel Lewis, anything that that kind of vibe. Uh, so check it out. So this is called can, the Pang 20, Pang 22. Knowing Dream, I can only assume it's also extremely affordable. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So just Very cool. If you find one, pick it up. It's kind of like the, the forgotten effect symbol, the Pang. The Pang. Love Pang. it. All right. Let's get into Tama's stands. Now these <clears> are... What are these things called? I had it pulled up. Uh, these are the Tama Classic stands. Yep. They now I'm just judging from the pictures on the website. I didn't get to read a lot about them, but they look like they're fairly lightweight stands and very gig ready stands. They are the most lightweight stands that I've seen that aren't from the 1960s. Well, uh, thanks so much for checking out the Monitor <laughs> Podcast. That was our review. Peace. I mean, what else? What else is there to say after that? Okay, so well, they sent the whole set for me to review. It's <clears> going to be in the magazine later, but I kind of couldn't wait. I wanted to talk about it now. The it started with the symbol stand. So if you have any, if you've seen anything from the sixties, or if you have anything from the sixties, they're they're simple, they work, but they're a little bit flimsy. So they basically rebuilt the sixties style stand, but put a steel. The upper portion is solid steel, so it doesn't. It's not flimsy, um, but gotcha. it still folds up to like the size of one of those wire music stands. I mean, you can carry five of these easily in one hand. Uh, so I have one of these, uh, and they would also have the rest of the set that I've been gigging with, and you know, honestly, I don't have any need for anything else unless I was playing something where my left foot is really kind of smashing the cymbals. Okay. The, the hi-hat stand might move a little bit, but it, it doesn't move as much as I thought it would considering some of the vintage stuff and some of the newer kind of vintage style stuff I played, this Hyatt stand is really uh, kind of a notch above. Wow. So that's that. And they also have a snare stand, similar like the old style, but the old Ludwig stands, if you remember those, they're, they're, they have the, um, how would you describe that basket? The one arm kind of right. slides in and out. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, does it do that? Oh, yeah. It does that, but it's oh, way man. more sturdy. And the, the the claws are really nice and grab on the drum so it's not going to you know, slide out. So the snare stand is awesome, but my favorite part is they have a tom stand. So it's basically like a concert snare drum stand designed just for toms. Wow. I also love the fact, love the fact, that the tilter part is gearless. Yeah, yeah. I cannot tell you how many times that gear is one click away from what I need it to be. <laughs> it's either pointing away from me like a Buddy Rich snare drum, or yeah. it's pointing at me like 1984. Yeah. And I'm like, can you just make it flat? How do you guys not know that there should be a flat clicker? Anyways, there's this gearless. I love that because I can get it exactly where I want it. Yeah, that's that's funny. I mean, because I have one that like... It's like it turns it to the side no matter what. <laughs> yeah, totally. 
It's, uh, it's unreal. So you're talking about the snare stand and the tom stand are gearless. The cymbal stand is actually geared, and okay. I think that's a smart decision because I've had so many cheap stands that aren't geared, they just start to f- yeah. fall down on me. So this locks in, doesn't move. I had I had a heavy ride cymbal on it, didn't, didn't even once flinch. Um, so they sell the whole kit. You can get two cymbal stands, snare stand, and a hi-hat stand, and a case just for a few hundred bucks. Uh, wow. But then you can add the, the tom stand if you do your rack tom in a snare basket. So I can carry the entire setup. I mean, my entire setup is two cymbal stands, the snare stand, the tom stand, the pedal, and the hi-hat stand. I can carry it in one trip with no case. Damn. And the pedal, actually. I was just going to Okay, so... Whew. I got to admit, when you first started talking about this, I might have been looking <clears throat> at uh, Adrian Kirchler's The AK Snare Drums. Okay, so <laughs> I just wanted to know, did you talk about the pedal yet? You said you did not. Let's discuss the pedal, the HP-50. <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. Oh, I, I, I quit. I, this show is over. <laughs> so well, at least I wasn't building a Porsche. <laughs> I'm still a little jet lagged. Why don't you okay, tell me so. about the classic pedal, Mike? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> the smooth surface footboard and the center strike height adjust, along with the easy access spring adjustment, make this a perfect pedal for anybody that wants a compact folding design. <laughs> All right, so without it sounding like an ad, the classic pedal is designed after the old Rogers pedal. So it has the, the spring tension actually extends up vertically. So you can reach it without having to go underneath the footboard. I thought that was awesome. It's on a it's on a tilter, so when you fold it up, the whole pedal just folds up, and you can stick it in. I stick it in my hardware bag, no problem. It's fast. It's slick. It works. That's kind of the whole thing with the whole the hardware for me. It works. It's simple. It's light. It works. And where is I mean, <clears throat> just looking at it, it looks like it's affordable hardware. Is is it? It is. Um, I should have okay. gotten the price. You can get the packet the, with the two stands. For, I think it's like three hundred bucks, maybe. For the pedal, two stands, and a hi hat stand, and a case. Yep. Wow. Let's, let's take a yeah, look. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, or I, it, yeah, it doesn't come with the pedal. I don't think, but uh, the classic stand hardware kit. Um, yeah, two hundred and eighty bucks on Sweetwater. You get two cymbal stands, snare stand, hi hat stand, and the bag. Two hundred and eighty bucks. That's awesome. That's awesome. And honestly. Anyone that's probably buying this hardware, it's their, it's going to be their gigging hardware, so they probably already have a pedal that they love anyways. Uh, yeah. So I think that's a good choice to go with that. The pedal but, uh, the pedal is 99 bucks by itself. Awesome. Really cool. Man, this stuff on that four-piece SLP kit that they have now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the spruce, oh. the fat spruce. Yeah. Yep. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, oh. it works. So if you're shopping for lightweight but not flimsy hardware. This this is some of the best I've seen. There's another one we're going to talk about from another company in a later episode, but of what I put my hands on and tried, this is the best of the lightweight stuff. Awesome. And it gave me a chance to order a new snare, so fantastic. Everyone, <laughs> check out the... Uh, <laughs> check out the AK. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Gold my goodness. I've, snare I've problems. <laughs> yeah. So check out the Tama Classic stands. Hey, by the way, uh, I will tell you, I yeah. know for a fact that he is like two two years back ordered. So good luck. Fong. <laughs> huh. Well, you know what? Maybe eBay isn't back ordered. <laughs> so maybe somebody's got a used one that they want to, you know. I mean, if they take a grand off the top, maybe it's a, 
only grand. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I, I. You know, what's funny is I've never inquired. I don't know him at all, but I really have no idea how much those snares are. But I mean, they've got to be pretty expensive. Yeah, I mean, um, he hand makes everything. The entire thing yeah. is handmade. The lugs, everything, the hoops is all handmade. I feel like. You know, between his snares and maybe <clears throat> Joyful Noise, that's something where you almost have to, like, you have to earn it. Yeah. I feel like I, I need to play, like, a contest where four <laughs> chairs have to spin around, and then I get my AK snare. You don't just go buy one of those. So, uh, good stuff. All right, everyone, it is time to get to your questions. All right, don't know why I'm yelling. First one is, is not a question, but just a comment, some um, um, input from last week. We were talking about Nicky Moon symbols. Mm. And Michael, um, I'm going to pronounce it properly, Grodner, we did uh, his intro beat a couple episodes ago, and I mispronounced it Grodner, Mm. I think, but it's Grodner, Mike Grodner. He just wanted to let us know he took up our recommendation and contacted Nick to see if he could breathe some life into an old symbol. It was a very heavy 22-inch flat ride that he purchased new in the late 70s. It was very pingy and ringy, and therefore it sat on the shelf for since the 80s. So he asked Nick to make it thinner, drier, and more crashable. And he says Nick took off 800 grams, hand-hammered it, and made it a very playable symbol for a very reasonable price. So thanks for the shout-out. That is so cool. He was a pleasure to work with. So if you got any old clunky symbols you want to make usable, give Nicky Moon a a shout. He's a good dude. That's really cool. Very cool. All right, so an actual question. This came from Alvin, or a.k.a. Big Al. Uh, he says, I have an upcoming gig at a very small club and can only bring my bass drum, snare, and either a hi-hat or a crash ride. What would be the better choice? The genre is classic rock covers. Oh, hi-hats. Hi-hat, right? Fifteens, if you, can, if you have them, yeah. you can kind of crash them. Done. Chorus, slosh them open. Verse, close them down. Uh, bridge, play on the rim of your snare drum. Yep. Done. Done. All right, next one is from Eric. Can you explain the essential difference between concert snare drums and drum set snare drums? It's obvious that a heavy rock drummer would not use a concert drum, but might a jazz drummer choose a snare drum for the concert snare category? Why and why not? That is a great question and one that I've actually wanted to ask you for a while because I've seen, you know, Pearl makes concert snare drums and you can tell right away, like, man, that's gorgeous, but there's something different about that thing. Yeah. And the snare wires are different. The strainer is different. Um, and and I've always wondered how come none of our more delicate drummers ever bring those into their drum set playing, or do they? I guess there's probably a few. I think probably the best way to kind of see the difference would be go to the Black Swamp website because they have concert snare drums and they have drum set snare drums. You can okay. see, like, these are what the concert drums do and have. This is a strainer, and this is the drum set snare drum. The biggest difference, from my experience, is going to be the strainer system. For a concert drum, it's usually going to have cable or gut or something. Right. Um, it's just going to be an overall drier sound because most concert snare drum playing is at the extreme low volume range, and you got to have really accurate articulation. On the drum set, I think it'd just be a little too dry for most people. Now, let me ask you this. Because of that tightness, do you think that has anything to do with maybe also not wanting a massive amount of sympathetic snare buzz as an or- orchestra is playing. I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't remember being in, you know, youth symphony and stuff. I don't remember the snares going bananas yeah. when the horns came in. But if I took my, my just like off the shelf drum set snare drum, it'd be like, the whole yeah, time. exactly. I mean, you'd want to probably keep the snares turned off when you're not using it, but 
Right. Sure. I mean, I've tried um, putting some some cable style wires on my my refurbished uh, Radio King, for instance, because I was hoping it would give me that real kind of punchy, dry sound. It was just too much. It was too dry. Yeah. It was just there was. I felt like part of the drum set sound is the snares rattling. Agreed. And this had none of it, so it was like this. The whole kit just sounded like it was choked for to me. Right. Gotcha. Okay. So nice. I would say there's a big difference. So yeah, go to Black Swamp website and you can really A B everything, the hoops, the the shells, the sizes, all that stuff. But it really is just a marketing thing, if you want to think about it that way. You could turn a drum set drum into a concert drum by swapping out okay, the wires. So let, so just to wrap that up, if I if I found like a shell that I was like, uh, I really want that and it happened to be a concert snare drum, I could just put on drum set snare wires on the bottom absolutely and it would just be a drum yeah okay. i mean think of the the ludwig super sensitive that was a concert okay. drum but a lot of people use them on drum set they just took the upper strainer off of the drum got it okay all right so we've got, we've got maybe one more here this is from oh my gosh i'm not going to get even close sanivas s-a-n-n-i-v-a-s sanivas I like it. This is a question that, that I love it, and uh, hopefully we don't make fun of you for asking it. It's important. Mm. How does Nate Smith play those extremely fast 16th notes with, with his right hand with all that swagger and groove? Can you give any advice on how to develop such right-hand technique? Yeah, I think, Sonavas, you should know that um, guys like Mike and myself are in that same boat with you. We've been playing our whole lives, and I'm wondering that same thing. That's um, his magic. I mean, doesn't that everyone really on the earth want to know how he's doing that? Yeah, it's kind of insane because there should either be one of two things. There should be either way more effort to get that much speed, or he should be way less groovy to get that kind of speed. And it should be all like fingers just tapping as fast as he can. The fact that it feels like Steve Jordan's playing it, but it's at like a Jojo Mayer breakneck technique speed. It's it's hard to resolve those two things in my brain, at least. Yeah, and seeing he was at Pasic and he gave a clinic, and seeing him in person, he does it in real life. Um, what I've noticed is his grip is always flexing and relaxing. There's times when he's not even holding the stick; it's like barely in his hand. So he'll open his okay. fulcrum all the way up at times. So there's a lot. There's a lot of kind of relaxation when he doesn't need to be tense, um, but in general, his his hand is just super chill, super relaxed. So, yeah, he's definitely it's crazy. Not and you know, him. I always think like when I'm watching him, he's definitely up there for me as far as favorite modern drummers right now. And when I'm watching him, I think, yeah, well, if I practice the gads and groove my entire life, I'd be able to do that too. And right when I say that, that's when whatever video. I'm about to click on isn't that groove and he's playing something else completely not related to that groove and he's just as good at that whatever yeah. it is 6-8 yeah. shuffle it doesn't matter yeah he's just a is great a monster great musician um, I think he might have maybe his reflexes are just naturally faster but I, I don't like making those kind of excuses he looks right. like he's designed to play drums his body just moves perfectly that could have been developed over many years maybe he just found his niche right away you know the other thing that's kind of it's tough to to figure out without interviewing somebody, but when I see somebody like him or Steve Jordan play uh, some of the best groove monsters in the world, I kind of wonder: Did you grow up with just kick snare and hats, or like what? How did you have the restraint to ignore 
all the other crap on your drum set and really care about these three instruments so much that that when you do bring in a rack tom hit or a little floor tom flutter it's just so amazing because i haven't heard of floor tom for you know 16 bars right um I'm like, did you just not have one? or like, Because I know that I got my drum set and I had to hit every single thing that was on it per bar. Yeah. Every, well, yeah, you know, just like... I don't, I don't know Nate's story, but I know with Steve, when I interviewed him years ago, he, he was one of those old school uh, students where the teacher had a drum set in the corner and said, you can look at it, but you can't touch it for the next two years. We're going to be playing wow. this snare drum for the next two years. Wow. So I th- and I think he added his you know his dab up on the bass drum one year. So I think in Steve's right. case that is exactly what happened. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised if that's Nate's a similar story because I know he went through the education system as well, went to college music school. So maybe I would right. think. Well, uh, I yeah. So sound of us just know that you are not alone. We are in it with you, man. Yeah, that's We're the golden question. We're just as impressed as you are. <laughs> yeah, we are just as impressed as you are. Uh, I wish that we could both. Act like oh no, it's just a thing we as professional drummers do, and uh, <laughs> you know, but, here's how you do it. But I don't want to do it, so yeah, <laughs> I'm just not into that whole amazing drumming thing. So I'm just, I'm just trying to make my uh, attendees know that we're uh, we're all in this together, man. No. Santa Ross, we really are in it together. All right, everybody, thanks for your questions. Please keep sending those in to mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. That is also where you can send your intro and outro grooves, mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. And we appreciate that stuff. And we are not done with the podcast, but just so that I remember, please, if you haven't yet, if you've been listening for a while and you want to do something for us, you don't need to send us money. You don't need to send me green tea. Just go to iTunes and give us a five-star review and a rating and a review because that helps other drummers find this podcast. Did you say they don't need to send you money? You don't need to send me money, but you can say (laughs) – not saying I don't need it. I'm clearly trying to order uh, a multi-thousand-dollar snare drum. Uh, and the more money you guys send, the less long the fight is with Amber. So send the money. It's all good. You always use more. All right. Pick of the week. All right. <laughs> uh, do you want to go first? Yeah, I've got I've got a pick of the week and also a suggestion. If everyone could please join the Percussive Art Society. It's 55 bucks for a year. I was kind of lagging and let it go, just letting my modern drummer affiliation uh kind of get me in the door but it is a great organization so you know please go to the website pas.org uh, join up you have access to a lot of online content you also will be you know in the know whenever events are happening in your area a lot of people don't know there are chapters in every state in the united states and there's international chapters so go to ps.org sign up it's 55 bucks it's worth it all right now my pick of the week um, while I was at PASIC, I was walking from the RBH booth who had the drum set I was going to use, walking out the door, and I saw a big fat snare drums booth. Mm. And they had something cool on their kit, and it is called the Quesadilla Cloth Head. So I immediately ah. went over and snagged one from him and said, I'll bring this back in an hour. And I used the 14 on uh, part of my clinic. <laughs> no way. Without ever hearing it before? Just saw it in the booth. I'm like, that's what I've been waiting for you to do. Something more cloth oriented. I'm going to go use this. So come check it out and I'm going to feature that's your awesome. product. So it's a, it's a piece of cloth. I don't know what it is. Canvas or burlap or something that he's sewn into the shape of a drum and just sits right on top of your head and it gets instant 70s thud. And it doesn't scrunch up? 
No, but the cool thing is you can fold it up. So I actually felt folded it up like a handkerchief and stuck it in my pocket. And then you can just put it on the kit and, and just it stays in put place. Put on the drum, it stayed. Yep. Wow, that's awesome. And here's the cool part: they're ten bucks. Holy hell! Yeah. So I got a whole set for toms and snare. What I'm waiting for them to do, maybe I'll suggest it on here, and you can hear me. I want bass drum mutes. I want something that I can do the same thing on my bass drum. Yeah. But it was really fun. It's on my kit now, so if you've seen anything I've done on Instagram in the past few days, these are on the kit. It's just thuddy, awesome, kind of yeah, compressed, sure. instant compression sound. You can get packs of 10, 12, 14, 16, or 10, 13, 14, 16, or 10, 12, 13, 14, 16, or you can just buy them individually, 10 bucks a piece. I dug it. So that's Fantastic. my pick of the week. It's the BFD, uh, BFD, BFSD quesadilla cloth head. <laughs> Big fat snare drum. Nice. All right. Well, my pick of the week is uh, obviously reflective of the time I spent in Spain. It is Richard Spaven's new album, Real Time. And, uh, you know, I was trying to figure out what's going on with Richard uh, and his playing. Like, why is it so original? What is it that is so enticing to so many drummers. <clears throat> and one thing I figured out, and this was just actually driving here today, I was listening to the album in my car, and I think that a lot of people that play like an, if you want to call it an electronica style of music, whether it be drum and bass or um, trip hop vibe or whatever, they always try so hard to make their drums sound electronic. Like mm. that's the game is like how much can you... F- can you make it sound like it's samples, but you did it on a real drum set? I love that Richard plays this stuff, and you can hear crystal clear. It's like, yeah, that's a set of hi-hats. Yeah, they're crunchy. That's what a ride symbol. Yeah, yeah. It's totally like, oh, uh, that's pretty raw for somebody <laughs> playing this genre. He's supposed to he's supposed to have a big fat snare drum on. Mm-hmm. You know, He's supposed to fake you out, but it's like, dude, he's got a Yamaha Maple Custom kit. He's got some Minel cymbals, and they're kind of... Set up the way that you would normally have a drum set. He's just playing them in this way. So I want you guys to hear this track. This is a track called Spin off the new album Real Time. And it's featuring Jordan Rakai. The reason why I want you to hear it is you're going to hear the hi-hat come in. And it's really hard not to feel this hi-hat as a downbeat. Like a one, a two, a three, a four, a one, a two, a three. Like almost like a samba feel, like a fast samba. But... Just know that the two hi hat hits you're hearing are one e and a two e and a three, e and a four e and a one e and a two e and a three, and just listen to how he displaces where you feel that based off of where he puts the snare and where he puts the kick. It's obnoxious. I don't know what more to say about it. <laughs> what I think blows me away is how you can tell those are big hi hats. It just sounds like unwieldy, but he's, his clarity is is awesome. I mean, it's insane. Yeah, I mean, I think they're 16s. That's what he was playing at That's the That's what it sounds like. It sounds huge, show. but the clarity is yeah. like really crystal clear. And when that snare comes in, like that sounds like he chopped himself up live. <laughs> uh, it's unreal. I mean, we. I was so 
lucky to have time to speak to him about how do you make this stuff? Does it start like this? Or do you play a basic groove and then think, how can you mess with the listener's ear? What can you do um, on this specific song? I don't want to get too much into it because you can always just go see him do a clinic. And I would rather you hear the explanations from him than from me. But he's but in his clinic, he did say, um, or maybe it was afterwards, I can't remember. But he did say he actually programmed this first and just thought, mm. okay, that's enough for me to write the song to. But I'll never be able to physically play that. I'll be, I won't be able to keep track of that. And then he worked on it. And he played it slow, and he got better at it. And I said, so is the hi-hat part just an ostinato for you to then improvise around and throw things around? And it, just the way the dude's brain works, it's really cool, and it really takes me back to what you and I have been talking about since the first time we did this podcast, which is some of the most creative people in the world worked their butts off to be creative by practicing non-creative stuff obsessively. Yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, having that approach of program something that you never could even imagine playing and then figure out how to play it, that's pretty awesome. And not that you couldn't imagine how to play it because it's so physically demanding, like fast and layers of sounds, but just right. rhythms that, that are talking together in a way that's so un, unorthodox. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. It's really cool. So anyways, that is my pick of the week. It's the new album came out this year. <clears throat> Richard Spaven, Real Talk. Go to YouTube also because you can see some great videos of this stuff. And watching him play it is like, it's a little demoralizing because he literally doesn't break a sweat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's just like, hey, man, I'm uh, just going to do this on my way to go get some uh, green tea. Black tea, excuse me. Black tea with oat milk is his jam. Anyone, <laughs> anyways, everyone have an amazing week. Thanks so much for listening to Mike and I recap our weeks. This was kind of an important uh little span for both of us our careers were uh getting a chance to do what we wanted to do and what we've practiced our whole lives for so uh to you my friend i'm, I'm really happy for you i'm glad you got a chance to do that likewise so we'll be hitting up Thanks, some buddy. podcast festivals hopefully soon <laughs> that'll be awesome yes all right and, we're gonna uh, close it out here with david he's playing just a simple beat two microphone setup he has a d6 uh just outside the bass drum and then ATX ADX fifty one. I don't know what that is. Do you know what that is? Is that an Audix? No. I. Well, I mean, not no. I think it's, no. I, do I not think know it's an Audix ADX fifty one. Okay. That's centered over his overhead. So there's no excuses. If you have two mics and a mixer, you can send us a beat. So this is David. Boom. <laughs> Later, buddy. All right. Rest up. See ya. <laughs>